It's time for the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Michael is a speaker, author of two best-selling books, and the president of three financial companies. He's also a frequent guest on national media outlets such as CNBC, Fox Business, and Bloomberg. His passion is to help you live well in retirement. This is the Wealth and Health Show. Welcome in, everybody. Again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and thanks for joining us on the Wealth and Health Show. I'm really the only show in America where we're discussing the idea of wealth and health, both sides, where we interview different CEOs that are predominant business owners in the country, kind of share their story of how they became successful and, and what drew them to the place of, of really being that success and the things they've implemented to get them there. And also on the health side of life, where we discuss different ways to live well, really in any economy, any retirement or really any, any part of life that you're in, to stay healthy and, and, and be wealthy in all that we do. We talk about a variety of different things, and today we're actually joined by Michael Israel, a really interesting guest and an internationally renowned artist. We'll share his story in a little bit, but I'm really pleased to have him in the studio today. He's actually going to be sharing with us a little bit of the idea of investing in art and what that looks like, and really, really excited to have him here. My wife, Samantha, is here. She's kind of uh, involved a lot with art as well, but Michael, first, let me just say thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me today. Yeah, looking forward to it. And Sammy, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So anyways, uh, let me give you a little bit of background about Michael. It's really amazing, his story. He is a motivational artist, so it's kind of interesting. You know, a lot of artists, I remember, you know, Michael, I remember the old, uh, what is it, Bob, I think was his name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the happy trees. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I remember I always used to watch that, and it was so soothing, and almost you could take a nap, you know, watching what he's doing. But what you do is really very different. I mean, it's very motivational. You're really kind of an entertainer, a speaker. And what's neat, folks, is Michael has performed for really some of the largest charity events in the world. He's been the performance keynote, so to speak, for presidential events, the Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting. In fact, some of his pieces have sold for as much as $250,000. And this is actually even before the paint dried. <laughs> so kind of cool. But all that to be said, you know, you really kind of are in a, on a place of your own. And, mm -hmm. and I'm in a situation where I've been blessed to uh, I think it was four years ago. I can't remember. Four or five years ago in uh, San Diego. Yeah, it was an aircraft carrier. And I was out there, and we had the opportunity to view Michael and, and your work. And that's where I first was introduced to you. And I thought, wow, isn't this just amazing? So, what a, what a great event that was, too. I think that was in the clear tent with fireworks going on, yeah. <laughs> on top of the aircraft carrier. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, awesome. talk about some energy going on. <laughs> great event. And, uh, Michael, tell us a little bit about obviously, you're known throughout the world for your art and all that you do, but. What's a little bit of background? I mean, how did you kind of jump into this world and, and decide that this is what you wanted to do? Well, I was dropped on the head as an infant, so it just comes <laughs> naturally to me. Um, when I was younger, I, I would paint at art festivals, and hmm. I found the faster I could paint something, the more I could sell of it. And then I would look over wow. my shoulder and go, oh, my gosh, there's like people as far back as I could see watching. <laughs> and I always had the music cranked up, and I was just jamming away in my own you know, zone. What age was this? Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I started, I guess, professionally at 14. Hmm. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I won't is. give away my age, but it's been <laughs> right, yeah, right. a long time. You're, you're 21 now, right? Oh, yeah. That's exciting. That's I exciting. I only wish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Multiply that a yeah. little bit. <laughs> so started there, and then mm -hmm. kind of what led you into what you do now? 
Yeah, well, you know, looking back at all the people, I went, wow, how cool would it be if they could each give me a dollar for watching? I could give the art away for free. You know? <laughs> and, you know, one thing led to another. And the next thing you know, they're saying, well, hmm. can you do it in front of this big corporate group? Can you do it for the opening of our aquarium? Hmm. I got a phone call. Can you be in D.C. next week? We want you to perform for the president, you know, hmm. uh, on the Olympic stages. I mean, just everywhere and anywhere. It's, so it's been really a cool roller coaster ride. Now, here's a mom question coming for me is how did your parents handle all of your creativity as a child <laughs> well my mom was actually my first art critic mm. about two years old i was drawn on the wall like every other kid did and yes i ran down it. hallways with crayons yeah my mom critiqued <laughs> it like every other mom does smack on the button <laughs> so it's been parental revenge ever since <laughs> that's cool so you got your parental revenge and you're it's amazing folks if you're not familiar with michael feel free to visit michaelisrael.com that's michael israel.com and you can see and learn a lot about him. It, some of the venues and places that you've been able to perform, not just from the Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting, but you know, you're doing an event and done events for city. There, I mean, pretty much any charity out there, Special Olympics, uh, you know, anything mm -hmm. that you can think of, you were just doing an event for the San Francisco 49ers and all that sort of thing. How does it feel when you're when you're doing those events? I mean, what does that look like for you? Well, for me, it's therapy. You know, I get mm -hmm. to meet on a canvas. I get the energy <laughs> of the crowd. It right. all goes into this painting. It's amazing. And then when something really good comes out of it, mm -hmm. we do some amazing fundraisers. I do a lot for pediatric brain cancer, mm -hmm. for colon breast cancer, uh, raise money for scholarships for kids all across the country, Marine Corps Scholarship mm -hmm. Fund, uh, Navy SEALs Family Funds, and things like that. And when you can do something you love and have it affect and impact other lives and do something positive, then you're doing something great. I, I like to say a masterpiece is not what's on the canvas, but what comes out of the mm -hmm. canvas. The ripple effect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And it's really a great way to look at it because, you know, that, I mean, that's really what life is all about, isn't it? I mean, whether we're in business or whether we're in nonprofit or whether, you know, whatever we do, artists, you know, we're impacting and touching other lives. I like the idea of utilizing uh, the saying of residue. You know, we all leave residue somewhere. I mean, we're going to leave it, right? Whether we want to or not, we're going to leave residue. So what type of residue do you leave? And I think that's one of the things for me that I really enjoyed when I went to the event personally and live. I mean, it was so much different. It kind of woke me up to the reality of art. You know, right. my wife, right. you know, I did. I've, mm -hmm. you remember that? Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. Sammy was in a situation where she uh, always kind of loved art. She was involved. I'd always with try it. to explain why something was so passionate for me when I'm, I'm viewing it. And he didn't really kind of grasp that concept until he really did come home from your show and his eyes were a little more opened yeah. to that world. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I found my, my collectors are like my friends and my collectors mm -hmm. for life. Uh, you know, I know at some point we're going to talk about investment and stuff. Nobody sells my art once mm -hmm. they get it. I mm -hmm. have people 30 years later, you know, they're sending me pictures of mm -hmm. their friends or their family or a famous uh, celebrity mm -hmm. or politician in, at their home in front of their art or at their office mm -hmm. and, you know, how much it means to them. Well, and you put so much heart into it and also the hearts of people viewing you as you're performing it. So it's just that's a really neat yeah, well, I like to think when you own one of my works, you, you're buying the experience. You're mm -hmm. owning, uh, mm -hmm. it's like a piece of your life. Right. So mm -hmm. it's not something you're ready to give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, that's what impacted me so much. And by the way, folks, at any point in time, again, if you have any questions about Michael, feel free to visit michaelisrael.com. If you have questions about us or that you want to, you miss part of the show as you're going through it, or you want to hear previous segments, feel free to visit leanonthewall.com. Again, that's leanonthewall.com. And later in the show, 
You're, you're going to want to make sure you stick around. We're going to be talking about later on the idea of investing in art. What does that look like? Also, in the, in the, towards the end of the show, we're going to talk about different ways to get significant tax deductions with art, as well as reducing risk when buying art and some other things. And I know that you mentioned the idea of, you know, if you think about it out there, folks, if we think about, you know, homes, you know, you go into a friend's home, whether you're going there and you're just hanging out for a party or you're just, you know, whatever businesses you go in. So many places have some type of art in them, right? And Michael, you were talking about mm -hmm. that earlier of, of what you really see art as. Well, yeah. I mean, imagine going into some place that has no color and no art. Mm. You know, you're going to mm -hmm. feel cold. You're going to feel alone. You just art is as much a part of humanity as anything. Um, it, art is so important that when an army invades a country, what do they take? Hmm. Gold and art. You know, they don't <laughs> take incredible. their currency or their stock certificates. Yeah, they take the art and. Art is is globally uh, liquid. Well, it's not just globally liquid. It's it's humanity mm -hmm. wrapped up there in a canvas, you know, yeah. or a sculpture or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's it's uh, it's our souls. It's, it's who it, we are. It's history, really. You can't recreate. I mean, it's something that's been done, and it kind of stands for the test of time, which is really really mm -hmm. neat. Is there a particular piece? You know, I know you have a bunch of different pieces that you've done over the years, but is there one or two or three that you kind of say, you know, these two or three pieces are kind of I know, he, folks, he had uh, given us a little thing, and, and we've seen some of his work before with the fire department, you know, uh, New York. 9-11 stuff. Yeah, exactly. What, what pieces are kind of near and dear to your heart? Well, I always tell people the next one. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, of course, the hero piece has got millions and millions of views all around the world. And it went viral, and right, the video? Oh, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, they show it in schools and universities mm -hmm. and even grade schools, kindergartens. Uh, they, you know, they really – it. Uh, there's a lot of deep meaning in, mm -hmm. involved in it. It's far reach, much, much farther than just 9-11, but the idea of heroics and the mm -hmm. idea of humans being able to commit to, to something where they might lose their life. Chivalry. Standing <laughs> for something. Mm -hmm. So it's really a, a tremendous piece. But, I mean, so many pieces have all these different meanings. You know, when, when I do a piece and I know it's, it's, it's helped a family that's at the hospital with their kid, and can't pay their electric bills, so they raised a fund to you know, keep mm. the electric on, and they're taking care of their kid. I mean, that's an amazing piece of artwork. So, you know, where, no pun, where do you draw the line? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. What have you found um, specifically? I know that you do a, a variety of different types of venues, you know, whether it be corporate or private or whatever. What have you found over the years is kind of the type of venues that you've seen work well, that you enjoy doing, and is kind of great for... For, you know, if somebody's listening out there and they say, you know, I really, boy, I went to your website, Michael, and I love what you do. You know, somebody's saying maybe they want to connect with you or, or utilize you or hire you. What, what does that look like, that venues that you... You know, to be honest with you, it's people. People mm. make the venue, the, what the purpose is, the people that are there. I mean, I could be in Monte Carlo, you know, doing a show in the Grimaldi Forum on the, I did on the, on the ocean there, which is gorgeous. <laughs> and actually, I had a good time with great people, but... Um, <laughs> The, the venue is not as important as the emotion, the energy, the passion, and the purpose. Hmm. Okay, so it's really, it's really what it's behind. So whether it's a corporate event or whether it's a private event or a charity event even. I know you do a lot of charity events. I, I prefer charity-focused events because I think more comes out of it, although I've been told by different corporate clients that you know they've noticed a lot more motivate, and then they hire <laughs> me for the next three event, big events they had planned for a year. They restructured their entire event to, mm. to bring me in and motivate their people. So that was great. But when we do a charity event or what I call my corporate conscious program mm -hmm. where I 
kind of turn a corporate meeting into a charity fundraiser. Mm -hmm. It's amazingly empowering. Everybody feels, mm -hmm. I mean, you do, your heart just swells up and you just feel amazing and you, and you do this great stuff. So mm -hmm. is there a particular charity that's closest to your heart? You know, uh, we cry on the telephone, you know, almost on a daily basis, you know, hearing the different stories and, you know, wanting to be able to do more. I mean, I really wish it wasn't a paintbrush. I wish it was a magic wand, you know, um, but, uh, you know, I have to do it the way I do it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it helps, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, what I try to use my art to do is really to draw people to a cause, mm -hmm. not so much to sell an artwork. I mean, we sell artworks and it, it helps raise money, but it's more about building relationships. And, and art is an amazing tool to do that, whether it's in your home and someone comes in and goes, oh, tell me about this, you know, and mm -hmm. you're building a relationship. Being able to put feet to their mission. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really neat. And, and, you know, folks, by the way, if you're out there and you're, um, you know, the president or on the board of a charity, a, a big charity or small, whatever that may be, obviously they evaluate one to another to make sure it's going to be the right fit. But if you have any questions or you're, you're a company or, you know, even a private collector and you want mm -hmm. to do a private show, obviously, again, everything's evaluated with Michael and he has to, and his staff determine whether or not it's going to make the right fit, but, and make the most sense. But feel free to visit michaelisrael.com. Again, that's michaelisrael.com. And we're going to be talking a little bit later uh, in the show again about the idea of ways to get significant tax deductions. But next segment, we're going to talk about the idea of style of art. What does that look like? Why is art so valuable? Why has it become so popular and been so popular for years and years and years? We're also going to discuss the idea of his physical performance, mm -hmm. because if you've ever watched his mm -hmm. show, I mean, he is all over the place. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's been kind of... P90X to yeah. the extreme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's almost been coined as the, the Cirque du Soleil of, in the art world, so beautiful. to speak. So. If you've ever seen Cirque du Soleil, uh, you know that they're <laughs> all over the place. But we're going to talk about that next segment. So hang around and we'll be right back right after this. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com. And to see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review, call toll-free 866-943-2351. That's 866-943-2351. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Welcome back in, folks, to The Wealth and Health Show. Again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're joined here with uh, my wife, Samantha, actually, which Hello. is kind of neat again to have <laughs> her. And, and Michael Israel, again, is joining us, an internationally renowned artist. We're talking about art, investing in art, the idea of what it looks like to invest in art. This segment, we want to touch on just a little bit of the idea of the style of art. What does that mean? And before we jump into these things, Sam, I know you had a quote that you wanted to share some thoughts from Andy Warhol or something. Go ahead and share Back in the it. 70s. But yes, an Andy Warhol quote, quite famous. Uh, he recently actually one of had, had one of his Elvis pieces sell for $82 million, But mm -hmm. a quote that he had said in the 70s is, making money is art and working is art and good business is the best art. 
And as I was reflecting on that and all the great master painters in the past, they were really only truly appreciated posthumously because maybe they lacked good marketing and business savvy. But you have had the privilege of obtaining both in your lifetime. Uh, Do you have any tips for budding artists out there who are pursuing it as a career? Well, whenever a parent comes up and says their kids study in art, and they say, what else should they study? And say, take business and finance. Mm. Because as long as you can manage things, then you can do what you want to do. If you're getting into art as an artist solely to to make a living at it, uh, what is it, one in 10,000 can Mm -hmm. really survive. So... Mm and then if you do, I mean, you know, if you make millions and millions of dollars and you don't know how to manage it, it's all right. gone anyway. I mean, there's mm. so many famous celebrities who want, they, they need that financial savvy. Not how much you make, but how much you keep. And how well you enjoy it. Right. <laughs> you got to enjoy it too. got to have the balance too, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a great point. And, you know, you think about that, not just with art and things like that, but also even athletes. You know, you see right. a lot of athletes right. that, you know. They need help. Yeah, they're thrown into the limelight. They're making millions of dollars a year. Yeah, they're broke now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I've, met, I've met a lot of them. Right. Yeah, so they've mortgaged their paycheck it, it, before it, they've received it. it. Yeah. Now, I know we talked about there's a variety of different styles of art. I mean, you have your art from Bob. We talked about him, you know, on TV. I, again, I always fail to remember his last yeah, name. Bob Ross. Yeah. Yeah, Bob, Bob Ross. Ross. Yeah, Bob Ross. Big Fro. <laughs> big Fro. Yeah, we'll call him Big Fro. Yeah. Uh, but really cool guy. Good show. Uh, but you have his style that's kind of calm and conservative, and he's just kind of doing things as he sees it. And then and then there's your style, which is more of a, I mean, almost more of a rock and roll type show. I mean, theatrical. Just, oh, yeah, yeah, theatrical. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what what kind of led you into saying, that's the style that I want? Well, I've been training martial arts since I was about eight years old, and uh, actually, my ultimate dream was to just you know live on top of a mountain and have a karate school. And that sounds like a good compete. dream. <laughs> I was rated nationally at one point. It's very hard to make a living mm. at it, and you know back then they didn't have UFC and they didn't have big. You have to farm on the side. Yeah, yeah. well, I used to paint on the side. <laughs> my, my art studio and my karate studio oh. kind of set up next mm. to each other. Mm. And every time I would go away to an art event to raise some money, you know, most of my students would kind of disappear because there was nobody making them train. Mm. So uh, I wound up going more in the uh, the art direction, although I still, I train uh, five, six days a week now. Mm. Yeah, because I know that, I mean, that was something, another thing I had a question about, we had discussed kind of off air, if you will, the idea of just your health regimen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, your show is mm-hmm. super active for you. So you're all over the place, jumping around and hands here and there and mm-hmm. summer, you know. Not quite summer cells, but <laughs> almost. What do you see that's necessary for you to kind of stay in top performance so you can do these shows with the level of energy you do? Well, mm-hmm. I, I, I do work out, uh, weight training, a little cardio, stretching, martial arts, uh, typically five days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I take a good 15 to 30 minutes to warm up before a show uh, because I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> full of right. muscle or something. Yeah. Yeah. That would be pretty embarrassing. Oh. I mean, there's a lot of jumping and spinning and turning and, mm-hmm. you know, beating on the canvases. It, it's kind of like, uh, you know, watching UFC, but instead of the canvas being on the floor, it's kind of upright <laughs> and it's spinning and turning. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the canvas is the opponent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I know, I mean, you're really kind of the pioneer of this type of art, to my knowledge, Michael. I mean, is that... I've been doing it, I'm going to give my age away, but since 74. Is that right? So, uh, well, 40 some odd years now. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another gentleman, Denny Dent, who passed away about a decade ago, who was really a wild man and amazing. Hmm. Um, what was I, his I, name I actually, again? Denny Dent. I actually have to give him credit uh, more so than me. He was a little older, and he's really the one who got it out in, into the public of, of this style. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to think I'm more innovative, and I've done a lot of different things with it, and mm-hmm. maybe more focused towards uh, 
charity and helping people with mm-hmm. it. But uh, yeah, I gotta say he was a wild man. And now, boy, it's it's exciting to see every day. I see a new imitator, or, mm-hmm. or uh, I hate to use the word imitator, but you know, somebody trying out uh, the new style. And I've even gotten uh, videotapes from schools where the kids have chosen to you know to do work like what I'm doing. And a parent built a little spinning easel, and here you have little like three year old kids. Jumping up and down and screaming and throwing. You can see justice going wild and, with that, oh, right? Yeah. In our no, five-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's really exciting, and uh, I think it says a lot about the you know the style of painting and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. definitely part of our our culture moving forward. So mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm excited about that. You know, I think it's really neat because you know it just shows, like you said, about the culture moving forward. I mean, obviously things change, and even as culture changes, and maybe the style of art and the style of things, how things are portrayed, changes. You know, I, th- I think it's really interesting what you said before in the last segment about the fact that art really is more than just a, a painting. It's more than just something there. I mean, it's it's part of your soul. It's part of who you are. It's part of a, you know, a relationship aspect with people and connecting and things like that. And, and I think that's the value of really connecting with art and, and some of the things that you do. It's amazing how that occurs. And Well, it's, it's, it's just moving things forward, I guess, is a good way to look at it, too. Mm-hmm. And if you look at all the most famous artists throughout all of history, and I don't, each one, you know, like when Da Vinci and Michelangelo painted, they didn't have laser printers mm. and cameras and things to, and mm-hmm. these guys reproduced life. Mm-hmm. I mean, people must have looked at them like they were gods or magicians or, oh my gosh, look at that. Da Vinci's drawings of horses always blow me away. Oh, actually, Da Vinci is my hero for a Mm -hmm. lot of reasons. Amazing, (laughs) amazing, amazing. But, uh, you know, then you go a little further, and now there's a lot of people doing realistic looking Mm -hmm. art, and then boom, impressionism, which, so it's all sloppy, but it looks real. Anything innovative, right? Then you get a guy that comes along, and he doodles these squares and these odd shapes that look like any child could do it, and oh my God, he's super famous, you know, Hmm. because. He got people to look at art and the world differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then along comes another guy with a really cool mustache mm-hmm. who does very realistic works. I mean, the mm-hmm. detail, very real. Something's off. It's Salvador surreal. Dali. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. who I'm talking about. Right. And then another gentleman that you were talking about took art and said, well, let's make it more commercial and factoryize it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Warhol was making uh, basically silkscreen prints. Right. Hmm. And convincing the world that uh, these were the most <laughs> valuable, amazing pieces of art, and every celebrity had to, to have it, and, and that is an and art. a self portrait, and a yeah. self portrait along with oh, it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, so you got to really hand it to his whole business model. Right. Uh, you know, was a piece of art, and he did a lot of things. I mean, the guy was into music and the filming, and you know, yeah, and a lot of the great artists were. You know, if you look at Da Vinci, he only did a handful of paintings. Mm. You know, lots mm. of drawings, lots of studies, anatomy and physiology. The reason Da Vinci is probably one of my heroes is because if you look at what has come out of his art, there's not a part of society that his work is not touched. Not whether recognized. It's sports, mm. medicine, you know, science, um, learning, uh, literature. You know, I mean, just technology. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you only have to mention the name, and you can already think of which works and how mm-hmm. those artworks uh, apply. So, you know, amazing. That is pretty neat. You know, and it's by the way, folks. Again, we're interviewing and, and connecting here with Michael Israel. He's an internationally renowned artist. Just an amazing, amazing story. Amazing works. At any point in time, if you have any questions or you want to connect with him and his staff to see if it may make sense for you to hire him for a private event or a corporate or you know, commercial or whatever it may be, feel free to visit michaelisrael.com. That's michaelisrael.com. 
And uh, obviously, if you want to listen to any other shows, if you've missed the first part of the show, also feel free to visit leanonthewall.com. And Michael, you know, I know everybody when they do, hopefully, if they're passionate about what they do, and Mm -hmm. I know you're passionate about Mm -hmm. what you do. I mean, you love what you do. You can (laughs) see it coming out of you, which is awesome. You Mm -hmm. see it at the shows. And for you, it's about adding value. And I think that's really, really neat. You know, you're in a situation where you love what you do. And you're able to use what you do to really add value to people's lives, which is huge uh, and impact, especially with all the charities that, that are connected with and involved with that sort of thing. Is there any time, I mean, do you kind of look at any kind of a timetable where you say, you know, okay, there's going to be a certain point in life where I'm kind of done. I don't think I'll do this anymore. I mean, is that crossed the mind at all? It's, or- it's actually coming up pretty close here, which is going to be an interesting scenario because when I step back, the touring is rough, you know, all the traveling mm. and stuff is very rough. And as I step back from that, that's when you'll start seeing my works in the galleries right. and you'll start seeing the values start to go crazy. Right now, because of my charitable initiative, a lot of collectors will not spend top dollar from my studio. They will get on a plane, and I've had them fly from Australia to come in and bid on an artwork at a charity event. Because one, they get to see it produced live, but two, mm-hmm. they get, you know, a lot of times they get a, a great price. I've gone for a quarter million at those events, but they've also gone much lower, so people can get a great a great deal on it. So, um but when that stops, then there's there's going to be no other alternative. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I, I'm not in the galleries, because I will not permit them to sell below. Hyperinflate. Yeah, either hyperinflate or deflate mm-hmm. the works, you know, mm-hmm. just because, you know, galleries get a commission, so mm-hmm. I don't want them to cut their commission down and sell it for less. The only time it ever happens, we call it the Cinderella provision, because uh, from the end of my show, which is usually at night until midnight, which is maybe a two to three hour window is when those artworks are sold for kind of anything goes for the charity to raise money for a purpose. And then after that, that's it. You know, if you want to buy one again, it's top dollar or fly across the country somewhere and take your shot at it. Go to a show and you know, yeah, buy it there. But I think that's something, that in itself is very significant with the artwork. Mm-hmm. But truly, if your health doesn't keep up with you, you'll you'll end up cutting paper like Picasso at least, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll keep painting. Right, right. You got to do I'm something. Be, I mean, you know, if you've seen my show. You can't not use your gift. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep painting. He's going to paint on the beach with a, with a Mai Tai in one hand. And, yeah. uh, oh, you want to, a funny story is when I used to do festivals, I used to set up a hammock. Oh, really? Yeah. I was, and people used to look at me like I was crazy. That's and I would, great. I would stay in my hammock and I would paint in my hammock sometimes. Okay. You know, <laughs> so uh, that's your backup plan. Yeah. So okay, I mean, the I hammock. Back to doing that. Maybe yeah. not martial arts and P90X as much. Now it's hammock time. That sounds good. Well, yeah, we'll get the, the, the not so traveling hammock, uh, Michael Israel painting store or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. On the yeah, that's there you go. that's far away though. That's not nothing too soon. Yeah, well, that I mean, that's really important to think about because you know I know there's a lot of folks out there that do own pieces of your art, and um, you know even others that are you know aspiring to own pieces or they're, they're going to be going to different shows coming up. I know you have a lot of different shows and venues coming up here in the near future. And so when you do call it quits, whenever that is, you know, that's kind of the neat thing to think about. When you talk about investing in art, which is kind of what we're talking about a little bit today, you know, the idea, folks, you know, the old story of investing is the idea of buying low and then selling high. I mean, that's what you want to do. So, you know, the cool thing about looking at this situation now, and we've, again, been blessed to have Michael join us on the show. The really neat thing about it is whether you've purchased one of his pieces from you know, a nonprofit charity event or whether you've purchased it just online or purchased it from, you know, him directly. You know, the neat thing is, is we're really in a place because you're still alive and actively producing and going when that spigot shuts off, 
you know, those pieces of art are really going to raise in value. And that's when it really becomes neat and fun for everybody who owns the artwork, yeah, right? Yeah, don't shoot me yet. Yeah. <laughs> because right now, you know, I look at it as though I am working for each and every one of my collectors. Mm -hmm. The more I expand uh, my career and, and the, the knowledge of the, the work uh, that I do, mm -hmm. the better valuation there will be when I do cut that spigot off, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm to speak. So go check out his website and find all the charities that he's going to be visiting and pack out the house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now, now's the time. Yeah, the next, next couple of years is the time to buy it, not to sell it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, folks, we're, we're speaking with Michael Israel. In our next segment, we're going to talk about the idea. We're going to dive a little deeper on investing in art. What does that look like? Why do people buy art? And then later in the show, we're going to talk about ways to get significant tax deductions for art and also reducing your risk when you purchase art. So you're not going to want to miss that. Stick around. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com and see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review. Call toll-free 866-943-2351, 866-943-2351. This is the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wealth and Health Show. Again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're joined in studio here today with Michael Israel, an internationally renowned artist, as well as my wife, Samantha. And we're talking about this segment, the idea of investing in art. We're going to dive a little deeper and talk about, you know, what does it look like to actually invest in art? Who should be investing in art? Obviously, I guess the simple answer to that question is, if you have money, you can invest in art. If you don't, don't buy art. <laughs> True. Yeah, that's make exactly it. right. Make art or, yeah, make some money to buy the art. But what's an interesting uh, thought here? There was a, a survey that was actually done of art professionals by Deloitte, and it said 76% said collectors viewed art as an investment. And that's really kind of amazing when you think mm -hmm. about it. A lot of people actually, when they buy art, I mean, obviously, a lot of people buy it for it's passion. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And look at me. I got this piece and that sort of thing. And I know that, you know, we've started to see a lot more of that with your art, obviously, throughout the country and the world as well as people seeing a, a Michael Israel piece on their wall. But what would you say would be a couple of reasons why people actually buy art from your perspective, Michael? Well, people buy it because it moves them mm -hmm. or it matches the couch. I, I like the first one a little better. Um, buy a new couch. People, buy some, a new couch. <laughs> some people do buy as an investment. But, you know, I, I've had so many people come up over the years and go, oh, my gosh, you know, I love your stuff. You're going to be a famous artist. It's going to be worth millions. And I go, OK, would you like to buy one? And they don't because mm -hmm. it didn't move them. They mm -hmm. might sort of believe in it, but it didn't, the piece didn't speak to them in right. that way. It, even back when it was like $3 to buy one of my originals. So, <laughs> you know. But, you know, one of the tricks I think would be to find an artist that is going to be with it for a long time, you know, mm -hmm. not a overnight sensation because that's going to fade, you know, somebody that's, it's a career artist, you know, and there's so many different criteria. I mean, the, how does the art impact culture? How mm -hmm. does the art match the couch, you know, mm -hmm. as far as the design quality, the, the innovation behind skill. It. I mean, is that a part of it? And, you know, you look at a lot, you look at Chagall and I don't know if you really want to go as technical skill, even mm -hmm. a part of this. Uh, so what is it? So what mm -hmm. is the, the provenance uh, of the piece? What is the history? What, who, who is this artist? You know, all these different things. So, you know, you, if you're going to invest, you should do your due diligence. Right. 
So those are some guidelines, folks. If you're looking to buy artwork, you know, as Michael said, which are great points, you know, to kind of bring that together for you. Make sure you understand, you know, the artist you're purchasing, what his stay power is, so to speak, stay you know, power. how long he's been in. The, and then he's relevant. In other words, he's relevant. That's I think that's one of the neat things about Michael is, you know, he's really built and continuing to build through his recognition of all these major brands and companies and, and folks. Again, if you go to his website, michaelisrael.com, you'll be able to learn a lot more. But he's been around for a long time and he's going to be around for quite some time and then eventually then retire to that hammock artwork. <laughs> my, my scenario is a little different because people literally steal my art when mm. they go to charity events and stuff like that. And, you know, it's kind of okay, but, uh, you know, that, that gives them a, if you can, if you can get a piece of artwork, no matter who the artist is, if they have an established value and you can get it for a fraction of what that value is, you know, buy it. Don't even think twice. Yeah. Mm. Makes That's a lot of sense. Go for that. You know, right. Even if the artwork doesn't appreciate, doesn't matter. You bought it for less than, than you know, it, it should be in the first place. So, you know, that could be a great deal. Got a great value there. And, you know, folks, what's interesting, I had seen here a quote that really more banks are lending against art as collateral, which is really creating a, a more liquid market mm -hmm. and that sort of thing for art. And I know, Sammy, you did some research on that. I thought that was kind of interesting when you take a look at that. And another statistic here I thought was interesting is U.S. Trust actually lends up to 50% of really the work's appraised value. So, you know, if somebody has art and they want to use it as some type of way to create liquidity or gain access to capital, et cetera, you know, they can actually borrow against the art, which is maybe a contrary thing. I mean, Be I'm able to enjoy it in your home, but also invest further. Yeah. I mean, think about that, folks. So let's say mm -hmm. you've gone out and you've bought, you know, a particular piece of art, whether it's Michael's or another artist. Jackson Pollock. Yeah, mm -hmm. whatever. And it's hanging on your wall and it's worth, you know, $200,000 or $100,000 or a million dollars or more, you know, depending mm -hmm. on whatever it is. You know, it could be something where you say, okay, the art's hanging on my wall and I love the passion. I love the, I love the story. I love mm -hmm. the piece. But, you know, how can we maybe take, it's almost, I kind of almost look at it like owning a home. You know, and you own your home and let's just say your house is worth, you know, $2 million just to pick a number. And, you know, you're in a situation where that house value, regardless of what it is, whether it's 2 million or 20 million or 500 or whatever, thousand or whatever it is, you know, that house is there. It's a kind of a, a hard asset. You know, you can't really do anything from it. But if you can take a home equity, so to speak, from that house, then you can take that monies and go invest and do. I'm not suggesting you do that. It's just an interesting way to look at art. It's a possibility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially, Michael, if you can get your art kind of a pennies on the dollar and you know that sort of thing just, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. amazing that <laughs> no. stuff well when you get to the uh, tax scenario I think mm -hmm. some of the donors at these charity events are actually making a profit on uh, the artwork which is kind of interesting but uh, yeah these days I mean originally it was three bucks here's your art have a nice life you know kind of thing now the artworks are actually registered mm -hmm. to the owners kind of like a car title or a deed to a house mm -hmm. we keep a registry on that there's very significant markings there's about a 50 point authentication process we infuse 20 23 karat gold in most of the artwork and okay. patterns so that it can be authenticated from That's great. you know 10,000 miles away or sure. whatever so it's, it's a pretty interesting process. And I think that's probably hmm. really important, isn't it? I mean, when people are buying art, you know, the because there's... What about know, the counterfeit market? That's what with, I was going to say. There's, well, yeah. exactly. I mean, you know, bringing uh, that you know, up a little more. So much, I mean, if you go to an event, you see me do something live and you, you know buy it. Was it you, you, sure. know, you, you know it's me. But you walk into a gallery, you buy a piece. How do you know? You got a piece of paper, says it's real. Right. You know, and, or if you're buying it from so-and-so's, you know, I get this a lot of times, you know, they'll contact my studio. Someone in Canada or wherever is buying a Michael Israel piece of artwork and the first thing we asked is if they have a certificate yes if they do that makes it really easy for us to track it down we figure out who the previous owner was we typically will actually contact the previous owner and say hey did you sell 
this piece of art to so and so. They say, "What do you mean? It's hanging on my wall." Yeah. And like, we we know theirs is a phony, you know. Yeah. If they say yes, we did, then we have a certain assurance that 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 might be the actual piece. And we also ask for pictures. We match it against our database. We match the markers against our database. We match the numbers on the certificate and everything. So each level adds a layer of authentication. Mm-hmm. So I think the big thing there, folks, is if you're looking to buy art or mm-hmm. you already own art, you're looking to add to your collection you know, in whatever that looks like, make sure you take the steps to ensure authenticity. Make sure that you know that the art piece that you're buying, you know, don't just... And trusted auction yeah, Well, so here's yeah. a funny scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, you were sitting 30 years ago with Andy Warhol and he did a piece of artwork and handed it to you. Yeah. Okay. So now today you say, oh, look, I got an original Andy Warhol. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty easy to reproduce. You know, but- how do you... Mm-hmm. How do you uh, how do you prove that? So, yeah. yeah, certainly uh, whatever documentation you get is certainly going to help when you're purchasing art. Yeah, I think that matters. And, and you know, what's interesting is there was a, the New York Times stated recently, for better or worse, fine art is now firmly planted alongside equities, bonds, commodities, and real estate as an asset class. It's interesting when you think about that, because when you think about alternative asset classes, you know, a lot of times people will invest in things they're familiar with. And obviously in our world, I own a couple of financial companies and we, you know, kind of manage wealth for higher net worth clients. And we use a variety of different instruments and variety of different tools out there to invest in to whatever is the best fit for the clientele. But what's interesting is a lot of people maybe don't necessarily think about art as another asset class. Mm-hmm. It really is. You know, when looking at saying, okay, how do we hedge, you know, maybe against inflation? How do we hedge against you know, just investments in general, the dollar. You mentioned, Michael, a little bit earlier about the idea of people, you know, when, when, when a country's invaded, you know, the armies go in and they're not taking the dollars, they're not taking the paper dollars, they're not taking, I mean, they're taking the art and they're taking the gold, you know, it's physical, incredible. tangible stuff that's been around for ages and ages and things that are probably going to be around for ages mm-hmm. and ages. Yeah. And, and that's a great thing. It's a part We're, of the culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, folks, is when you're actually investing money, when you're investing wealth, when you're looking to grow your portfolio, depending on your size. Now, obviously, this is probably going to be something where it's more for a you know a higher net worth type client, several million mm-hmm. plus. It um, can be risky. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's different levels of art that you want to be looking to purchase. You know, as far as where you are financially, whether you have hundreds of millions to you know all the way just a couple million. And I think that's the neat thing about your pieces right now. I mean, you have pieces that'll sell anywhere from you know if you're at a charity, you know, you might be able to pick up a piece for ten, fifteen, twenty thousand, and all the way up to a couple hundred thousand. And and the neat thing is, is because you're still active and doing your thing, there's some growth potential as time moves along. And and I think that's really kind of neat if someone were to look at art and say, okay, where should we go to buy that? We want a piece that kind of complements what we're doing. We want a piece that complements what we're passionate about. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you really kind of tell a great story. Yeah, right. well, the galleries right. are going to hate me for this, but when you go to a gallery, obviously the galleries have to stay in business. So mm-hmm. whatever you're buying the artwork for, you're not going to be able to just turn around the next day and, and get that same number. And you're paying for their eye as well. Uh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and for the, and their knowledge. And, mm-hmm. I mean, definitely worthwhile, but my scenario is just a completely mm-hmm. different scenario. And, and the scary thing, I, I recently went to a seminar held by a tax attorney from DC that mm-hmm. basically said, okay, well, you're the artist. So basically for you, you can give away $10 million worth of art and you can write off the cost of the paint. <laughs> you know, you know, that's about it because that's what's uh, called, ba- that's my basis because mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm the artist. But if you leave it to your family, then they're going to be taxed on the praise appraisal. value. So it. basis and appraisal, very different yeah, term. So and it's another important consideration too for collectors mm-hmm. to make sure that they 
have thought out what's going to happen with their art because just leaving it hanging on the walls and saying Junior's going to inherit this could leave Junior with a big tax bill if it's not handled properly. And by the way, folks, that's something we're going to dive into even a little bit more next mm-hmm. segment. You're going to want to make sure you stick around because Definitely. that's really, really important. You mm-hmm. know, you make a great point. You might have, you know, it could be 100000 could be 50000 it could be a couple million or more dollars mm-hmm. worth of art hanging in your home. And you don't want to drown your children with yeah, it. Yeah. What do you do with that? What does that look like? God forbid you walk out on life because we're all going to at some point in time. So when that happens, how does that transfer well to the next generation? We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about some other things. But one other thing that I wanted to talk about here is there, because I guess in my perspective, you know, we took a look at, at buying into art, folks. If you're out there and you want to buy art, I think, you know, you have to look at it from two ways. First way is if you're going to purchase art, maybe you just want to purchase a piece because you just love the mm-hmm. piece. You know, you love the artist and you want to add it to your collection. That's fine. It, but if you're looking at this from that perspective, but also in addition from an investment perspective, you know, then I think you want to be taking a look at your portfolio. You want to take a look at, you know, what does my portfolio look like? Obviously, like anything else, you don't want to be overweighted in anything. So you want to say, okay, maybe you have a $10 million portfolio and you want to say, I'm going to take 10% of my portfolio. You know, and use that 10% to purchase into art if that's something that really drives you, it's something you're really passionate about. So be mindful of that as you invest in art as far as how much you want to invest, what does that look like? And then obviously make sure you do the due diligence on the artist in general today before you purchase it. Michael brought up a great point as far as authenticity. And by the way, to learn more about him, feel free to mm-hmm. visit michaelisrael.com. Mm-hmm. If you missed the first couple segments of the show, visit leanonthewall.com for the beginning segments or any previous segments, feel free to visit that as well. And next segment, we're going to come back. We're going to wrap it up, but we're going to talk about ways to create significant tax deductions. We touched on it, but we're going to dive in a little bit deeper. Michael's drawing a great piece for us right now in studio. Actually, live. as we're speaking live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll make sure we, uh, if you're watching the video later on, we'll make it's sure we'll hold up so you can see it. It's going to be uh, quite a great piece. He's going to, we're going to sell it at the end of the show here. For, <laughs> we will uh, auction. <laughs> we're going to auction it off for the highest bidder. We'll start the bidding at a million dollars. and uh, <laughs> It is not on our letterhead, folks. So I, I apologize for that part. <laughs> yes, this is this is very, uh, very custom. And uh, for somebody out there that's looking for something exciting, but Hang with us. We'll be right back after these messages, and we'll talk to you soon. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com. And to see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review, call toll-free 866-943-2351. That's 866-943-2351. This is the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Welcome back in, folks, to the Wealth and Health Show. Again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're here joined live in studio with Michael Israel, an internationally renowned artist, and uh, just quite a great story. Again, visit his website, michaelisrael.com, for more info about him. My wife, Samantha, she's quite a, interested in art and kind of does art on the side as well over the years, kind of really neat eye, is joining us in studio. And I know, Sammy, you had a you had a little bit of a thought that you wanted to share about returns on art and some things you've seen over the years. Just wanted to share a little bit of research here. It seems right now that the biggest returns are coming from the postmodern 
modern and contemporary pieces, typically important works that are deemed innovative, influential. But these pieces also are reflective of the greatest risk in the market. So you, again, Michael had shared, you don't want to go in uneducated. You, you want to do your due diligence. The resale business is best in New York. And Berlin has been the annual host of the Fine Art and Finance Conference called ArtFi, which covers the latest trends. So ArtFi, I'm not familiar with that. ArtFi. Yeah, okay. That's kind of neat. So check that. The Fine Art and Finance Conference. Okay. So Fine Art and Finance Conference. Again, last segment, folks, we talked about the idea of art in general, investing in it, some pitfalls, some things you want to avoid when you're buying art and some things you want to look at when you're purchasing art. And Michael, we were talking about the idea of some things that people, collectors, really never think about. You know, it's not something where, you know, when you go out and buy art, you're not thinking, boy, I wonder what's going to happen to my beneficiary or my heirs or my estate, (laughs) you know, family, et cetera, whenever I walk out on life. And that's really something that people need to be thinking about, isn't it? Well, absolutely. I mean, it was a shocker for me. I mean, I had to hit the bar afterwards, <laughs> not the gym, when I when I learned about it because all the works that I have that are reserved for my estate right now it's at basis. They're not worth you know whatever the paint costs. That's about it, mm-hmm. unless they're sold. But the moment I pass those on, if it's not handled properly, are liable for estate taxes on the market value, appraised market value of that work. And interestingly enough, uh, somebody that learned this called me back and said, you know, half the time the IRS doesn't go by the appraisals. And I go, oh, okay. Yeah, they they look at it and they have a team that reviews it and about 69% of the time or some kind of number like that, they appraise it higher. Wow. So So. really numbers, we're talking about $15 as the basis, let's say, to hundreds and thousands of dollars difference. Well, in my case, they could easily go online. Well, you know, they've sold as high as 250,000. Look, he's got a... Mm-hmm. 50 pieces or 100 pieces, you know, you know it's 250 million or whatever. And, that, that and, was- and not even transfer from a space, but transfer from you to your child. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. And by the way, folks, this is something not just with art, but anything. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in the idea of preparing in advance, you know, for whatever. I mean, whether it comes to, you know, as we're through our financial companies managing uh, wealth for clients, we want to prepare in advance so we can be successful in any market. We want to make sure that we're aligning with the right advanced planning, you know, estate type attorneys, things like that can help transition of, of these types of things for clients. So if you have any questions about that, you're uncertain, you're in the right fit there, you're not sure what to do. Another thing you can do is visit leanonthewall.com and you'll be able to contact us for more information about what are some things you should do there to kind of get your financial and estate situation kind of in order. But, you know, kind of to give you a little bit of a scenario here, we kind of draw it out to keep it real simple. And this is important. So what Michael's basically saying is if you're a collector out there and you're buying art, and let's say, you know, the neat thing about your situation where people can go to a venue and maybe an art piece right Right now, you know, while you're, you know, moving, shaking, jumping, doing all your stuff, maybe sells retail or is appraised for, you know, the idea of, you know, 70 to 100, uh, 75, 100, 150, whatever thousand dollars as far as appraised value. You might be at a nonprofit show and bidding on a piece that you may get for 10 or $15,000. So that essentially is your basis, right? You're buying it for that. But let's say over the years, you're in a place where you buy art, whether it's Michael's art or whether it's other art and 
you end up spending over time, let's say 500000 or you know even a million dollars on art over the years. And now you're in a situation where that art, let's just say the appraised value of the art, you know, it's 10, 15, 20 years later, the appraised value of the art is $20 million. So you spent a million dollars for that art. That's your basis. And the appraised value is $20 million. Well, if you're familiar with the estate limits and the estate levels, obviously right now it's a little bit over $5 million per person times two. For a couple, is $10 million. We're kind of getting into a little bit of the boring stuff here. But at the end of the day, we're talking about a little over $10 million per couple as far as the federal estate limit. What that means, folks, is this. Just on that scenario that I gave you, you purchased a million dollars worth of art, but the appraised value, let's say you walk out on life, you pass away, and now that value goes to your beneficiaries. That $20 million of art, just that itself exceeds the federal level, which is over $10 million. And then that doesn't count any other, you know, assets that you may have, your home, your investments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But just on that piece as an example, let's say that art value of $20 million plus investments, plus your home, let's say your total value of your estate is $50 million, just to make a number. Well, now you're in a situation where $40 million of that estate, $50 million total value, $40 million of that estate is above the federal level. What that means, folks, is that $40 million unless you've done some advanced planning on it, is going to be taxed at somewhere in the ballpark of at minimum 50%. So at least 50% of that value is going to the government. And this is where you want to create advanced tax planning, advanced planning. You might even want to look to insure art, you know, to protect value or protect things for the beneficiaries or protect really, Michael, as you'd said earlier, the idea of, you know, these kids coming in and saying, you know, the IRS doesn't care. They don't care that you do or don't have the money. They don't even care how you get it. You know, you sell it as an auction and you sell it for a lower price. They're saying, hey, listen, this is the appraised value. This is what you owe us. Figure it out whether you got to take it. Whether or not you sell it for that price. Yeah. So folks, this is really, really important for those of you out there that are collectors, for those of you that are out there that are purchasing art on a regular basis. Boy, a lot of people don't think of this. They just look at it on the wall and they know, hey, I bought it for X, but it's worth this. I got a great deal. Look at this piece. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. They don't think about what the ramifications are when that art transfers. Right, right. Now, the flip side to that is while you're alive, if you've bought art and you bought it for $1 million and it's worth $20 million, mm -hmm. and you happen to donate it under the right scenarios, mm -hmm. you get an appraised value write-off, not what you paid for it. Okay. Yep. So now you have that write-off. You you've got a tremendous write-off that could offset other taxes and other expenses while benefiting that you have. others. And, you know, but there's there's all kinds of different rules and things, and mm -hmm. it definitely takes a you know a, a knowledgeable CPA or something like that you know to help with that. And that's a great point, Michael, because now you're in a situation where you know we mentioned a little bit earlier uh, in the show about buying art and selling art at a younger age, not waiting till full you know, fruition, so to speak. But you make a great point because maybe you're a collector and you're in a situation where you have all these pieces or you have certain pieces and maybe some of the pieces you're saying, you know, I like them, but I'm okay selling them or I'm okay donating them. You know, I, I did a show where actually, you know, like the portrait of Muhammad Ali sold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's which I love that one, one by the way. Yes. The guy that bought it said, how much can I get another one done in the studio just like it because wow. he knows what the studio price is for what I paid at this oh. event. And this was after the show? This was at the show. Oh, mm -hmm. at the show, okay. So we gave it to him. It was, you know, because the charity was selling it. So the charity has rights until midnight. So they, they bought two mm -hmm. at a steal. Yep. It was a, a hospital fundraiser, actually. They, the hospital had uh, written to us. They needed some write-up about the artwork because the artwork was going to be donated to the hospital. And I thought, oh, what a nice gesture that was. You know, they're going to... They, 
they donated money to the hospital. Now they're donating the artwork and all of that. Then I went to that seminar and I realized that, well, maybe they're donating and getting the appraised value mm. as a write-off, not the amount they paid. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, so they might have hundreds actually, of thousands of so dollars. They may have actually mm-hmm. made money on donating. <laughs> right, so it's kind of right. cool. It know? is yeah. really cool. Yeah, I didn't get any, you know, the, <laughs> no. of the benefit of that. But mm-hmm. yeah, you, you know, have that basis. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. If I donate it, I don't get the write-off. Oh. Yeah, but uh, you know, at least somebody does. Well, it's kind of a neat thing because when you think about it, the charities win. I mean, down the road, everybody that's a collector. The charities went big. Well, for the this is a wonderful opportunity kind of for them. Government funding. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. There you go. That could be your new little niche. Um, indirectly, you know, without never... taxing the people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I actually have to be careful. I can't do too many pieces at these events, or I mm-hmm. would hurt hurt the value as well. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. It's not an unlimited, so you're conscientious. It's not an about unlimited it. scenario. You don't want to flood the market. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and that's the idea here, folks, is we just want to be talking about different thoughts, different ideas. And again, at any point in time, if you have any questions, if you think Michael might be a good fitter, you want to check out the CIO. He's kind of exclusive, but yet he's still available now. So you want to call his team to see if it makes sense maybe to book him for a private event or, by the way, he's international. So he's really done events all over the world. Beautiful so locations. Yeah, I know we have listeners that listen to us online from all over the world and in different places in this, in America, obviously, as well. So if you're somewhere else, not in America and you want to book him, feel free to contact him. Best way to do that is through michaelisrael.com. Again, that's michaelisrael.com. And if you have any questions on the advanced tax planning side mm-hmm. of things or or just you know how to invest in this, what does that look like or how to kind of aggregate this or weigh this out with the rest of our portfolio mm-hmm. to make sure you have a great fit, Feel free to contact us in general. We have three different financial companies at leanonthewall.com. Or if you just want to listen to the beginning parts of the show, if you've missed it, feel free to visit leanonthewall.com to listen to the first couple segments of this show if you missed it or any other previous show in general and click on the Wealth and Health Show and that'll take you right there. But is there any other thoughts that you guys have? We're kind of re- landing the plane here before well, we end. I'm just going to say one more quick thing is you were mentioning about people if they like my program, etc. For charities, we do about 15 charity awards a year, which is a benefit program where I don't charge any performance mm-hmm. fee whatsoever. And on top of that, you know, there's obviously flights and hotel and, you know, staging production expenses and things like that that are normally paid by sponsors. Well, in my award, I promise or guarantee, pledge, whatever, it's all in writing for the charity that if my art sales does not generate enough money to pay that for them, then I'll pay it myself. Because mm. when I work with a charity, I even though they're getting a great show and hopefully they sell a lot of tickets and they get a lot of sponsorship. I never want the costs of that to exceed Be a burden. The, mm-hmm. what I bring for them. Mm-hmm. So their bank account is always going to be much larger, even though they've gotten this show and that sort of thing. So unlike a you know a band or something like that, mm-hmm. every charity event's got to have entertainment for their sponsors and their people. But in, in this instance, we make sure that they are financially successful as well. That's awesome. I also wanted to share, if you're in the art community or you are a lover of art or you, you're in your friends are lovers of art. This is really a unique show to share with them, uh, to go to our website and give them the link, either whether it's on your Facebook page or through email or whatnot. But I don't know of many media outlets that are really covering this topic in this way. And I just feel like there's a lot of information to be learned here. Yeah, it's kind of an exclusive topic and a lot of people don't really touch on it. So folks, again, if you have any other additional questions about this, feel free to contact us at leanonthewall.com. Or, you know, if it's easier for you, go ahead and send an email to info, that's I-N-F-O, 
at leanonthewall.com. Again, Michael's website is michaelisrael.com. But Michael, thanks for joining us today. Sammy, thanks for joining us as well on the show. No, thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, and folks, that's another wrap again for the Wealth and Health Show. But join us next week. We have a really, really interesting guest, and we're going to be talking about some advanced things. You're not going to want to miss it. So next time, same time, same place, or listen to us online, wealthandhealthshow.com or leanonthewall.com. And until then... Here's to living well in your next week. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Information provided during The Wealth and Health Show is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com and see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review. Call toll-free 866-943-2351, 866-943-2351.